The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Hi, everybody. So this week's episodes are a little different. Emma and I decided to split things up. So if you haven't gone back and listened to her episode on how to create luck for yourself, do yourself a favor and go listen to that. Um, This episode is going to be on something very different. Over the break, I completely changed gears um, over Christmas and the holidays. I think I read something like five, maybe even six books in the span of like two and a half weeks, I was on an absolute tear. And one of the ones I was listening to while I was at the gym is this book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And if you've heard a couple of the other episodes that we've done lately, you hear me reference it a lot. And so I thought it could be kind of fun to do an episode almost like book report style where I take you through the themes of essentialism and ultimately my interpretation of these themes and how I've applied that to my life. Um, Granted, it's been like three weeks since I finished this book. And so I don't want to make it seem like I've got it all together and I figured it out. That's certainly not the case. But if I can share with you what I've learned so far and encourage you to go deeper and learn about this stuff for yourself, I feel like we'll all be better off. So that's all this is. Um, let's let's jump into it with the story that actually helped solidify things for me, um, and that's of Steve Jobs. So there's a really well-known story about Jobs and his return to Apple when they were facing near bankruptcy, like it was dire circumstances. And if you look at all the options of what Jobs could have done, he could have tried to maximize profits by squeezing every cent out of existing product lines. Um, He could have done a whole bunch of things. But what he did instead was almost the opposite. He ended up cutting out profitable product lines at the business. They had something like 12 versions of the Macintosh at the time, and he chopped absolutely everything so they could focus on a single product. And You know, there's a lot um, to be said about Jobs and his strategy. Obviously, that panned out really well for him. And there are so many quotes and so many stories that you hear about of competitors being like, how do they have one phone? And they're still something like 50-60% of total market share, if not even more than that at this point. And it's true. This whole idea of focus and essentialism and doing less but making it better is truly the best option for everyone. And so props to Steve Jobs for being the solidifying example in in my understanding of essentialism and something I think about all the time. Really powerful stuff. Um, One more thing before we move on from the Jobs topic is he was said in an interview with Betsy Morris in 2008, he said, people think focus means saying yes to the one thing that you've got focus on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundreds of other good ideas that are out there. And you have to pick carefully. 
I'm almost as proud of the things that we haven't done as the things that we have done. What a quote. That's insane. That's insane. And it's so not what you would expect. And so if you look at the true um, essence of what essentialism means, it's the relentless, disciplined, and systematic pursuit of less but better. If you guys have been following me on Instagram, you know I've been talking about less but better for the last couple of weeks now thanks to this book, and I'm telling you the impacts are real. And so the basic value proposition of essentialism is that you have to give yourself permission to stop trying to do it all. We hear this all the time. People have day jobs, they have side hustles, they have families to look after, they have pets, they have fitness and health routines that they need to keep up with. And it's just a lot. And I think a lot of hustle culture has told us that more is better. (laughs) Doing more things means that you're smarter, more capable, more successful. And I think what's so valuable about essentialism is it helps kind of recalibrate everything. It's not a quantity game. It's about a quality game and how can we really move the needle the most? Chances are it's not by dividing your attention, time, and effort across 15 different things. It's about honing in your focus on the one thing that actually makes a difference and and actually matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, so what's kind of funny is if you if you look at the trajectory of your life and your competence over time, there's something called the paradox of success. And this resonated for me because what happens is your world starts really small in a job. You get really good at doing one smaller task. And then when you achieve a success, you move into the next role and suddenly you take on more. And then you kind of get your bearings there and you become successful at that level. And then again, you take on more until the point people say you get promoted to your point of incompetence. And that sounds so like depressing to me, honestly. That sounds like really um, disheartening. And the truth is it's because a lot of times as we get to that next level, we try to take everything on instead of practicing true essentialism and focusing on the one thing that's going to make this next role successful. We try to do everything well. And what happens when you're juggling 15 balls at once is you end up dropping them. It's just not possible, nor should it be. And you're going to really burn yourself out in the process. So a couple of things on the essentialism front as we get into the topic a little bit more, um, there are two truths that we're going to talk about first, and then there's a process. So the two truths are things before you even embark on the essentialism process, you need to understand these two things. And the first is that this is a choice. Every single thing you take on is a choice. And I know what you're going to say. Kelsey, my boss put this on my plate. These meetings are booked in my calendar. My business is going to fail if I don't. I get it. Everything seems pressing when you're trying to keep your head above water. That's just the nature of life. And so if that's where you're at and if that's what you thought of when I said this is a choice, just check yourself. Get into a place where you can actually evaluate what is it that I ultimately want. Think about that. I'm literally interviewing people all the time um, for my team at work. And I ask people, what does life look like for you in five years? And the amount of blank stares I get back is kind of appalling to me. Um, so to give that some thought, what do you ultimately want for yourself in five years, three years, whatever time frame? it's up to you. But once you have that, then you can start to chip away at what are the number one things or the number one thing I should say um, that's going to get you closer to that goal. And so the choice here is, yes, the choice of what that number one thing is and what that goal is. It's the the choice of the affirmative, but it's also the choice of elimination. And so by saying yes to that, 
what is it that you're also saying no to, right? And that could mean things that have been with you for a long time. Tenure is not synonymous with importance. That's really fundamental to understanding essentialism. So that's reality number one. Reality number two is that there is noise. If this was easy, everyone would do it. And we know that that's not the case. So there will be noise. There will be competing priorities. There will be social dynamics at play. And true essentialism, right, the the mastery of doing less but better acknowledges the noise and says, even despite all of these demands on me, I'm going to choose how I spend my time. I'm going to choose what's important to me and what I focus on. It's really powerful stuff. So if you can decide what it is that you want, and what it is that you don't want. And if you can acknowledge that there will be noise and this isn't easy, it's not a perfect science, then you're ready for step three, which is essentially the the understanding that these trade-offs exist. And now it's a matter of implementing this three-step process for actually executing essentialism in your life. So the three steps, and I know it's a lot of buckets, but this is how I think. And I think if other people can absorb information in this way, then we're all probably better off. So once you're ready to start heading down the path of essentialism, step one is to explore all possibilities, a whole bunch of things that I'll take you through in just a second. Step number two is to eliminate, right? Getting rid of everything that's a distraction. And then step number three is executing. So going back to step number one, exploring, there were a couple things in this section of the book that actually surprised me and kind of called me out a little bit, and I'll walk you through what those are. Um, And so there are a couple of questions that are great to ask yourself right off the bat. Number one, do I feel deeply inspired? And if so, about what? What do I feel deeply inspired about? What am I particularly talented at? What meets a significant need in the world, right? What's bigger than me? These are all things that will help you pare down what that three-year, five-year end goal is for you. Um, And if you can identify what it is that you're better than average at and then what gives you energy, chances are you're heading in the right direction of what that three to five-year goal is. Now, to fully explore all of your options, right? So there's actually this term that I think is really helpful. There's the vital few, the really important few tasks that would actually make progress towards your goal. And then there's something called the trivial many. So these are all the other opportunities that you're going to explore and ultimately say no to on in pursuit of essentialism. And so this exploration period, we're just trying to get all of that, right? Get it all down on paper, consider all of our options such that we can start to focus on the things that are the vital few. Um, so in order to do that, take time to look and listen chances are all of your opportunities won't come to you when you initially sit down to do the work. Um, This is something even I've noticed over the last three weeks. My perspective has changed a lot on all of the things I could consider. So give yourself some time to figure that out. Um, The next one is permission to play. And this is the part I literally remember walking on the treadmill as I was listening to this. And I'm like, what? first of all, what is play? And second of all, am I doing it? And I think the answer is no. So play is essentially anything that you do without an end goal, right? And so that could be literally playing, playing tennis, playing hockey, whatever, usually a sport um, that really like the winner does not change your life. You either win or you lose, doesn't really matter. Could be doing a puzzle, could be anything that you are actively doing that again, just doesn't have 
um, an end goal. And I'm very bad at that. Like I'm telling you, my downtime right now is evaluating real estate deals with the eventual intention of purchasing. And it's like, is that really play? Like my brain is working 24 seven when I could be taking a step back and distracting myself. I say that with air quotes, because what we know through science and how, um, you know, your brain actually operates is when you can contact switch and get out of whatever problem it is you're trying to solve, you're able to connect dots so much better. It's like, it's the same thing when you get really frustrated because you have a creative block, you go for a walk and all of a sudden you have all these ideas and these epiphanies coming to you because you're not trying to force it. The same thing happens when you play. And so I'm trying to do a concerted effort um, of like when we're having dinner, we're playing this game like for the girls or we're trying to do these like trivia games and it doesn't matter. There's no outcome. It's just a change of context and attention that I've found to be really helpful so far. Next thing is sleep. Um, I had some terrible sleeps the last couple of weeks just because there's a lot going on and I notice a massive difference in my ability to draw conclusions and connect dots the next day. So as you're thinking of all the possibilities, all these opportunities that may end up in the trivial many, or they may actually end up in the vital few, make sure that you're prioritizing this permission to play and get outside of your head a little bit, and then also prioritizing your sleep right? And so exercise is obviously extremely important there too, but those three things really should help you determine all of your options. Um, And then it comes down to elimination. And I've been filming some TikToks about this recently, and I think this is probably the hardest part for most people. So elimination has layers to it. Um, You got to get good at saying no. That's the biggest thing. It's like once you know what your vital few are, then everything else becomes a no. And I equate this to hiring because that's just the world that I'm living in right now. But for us, if a candidate is not a hell yes, they're a no, even if they're good. And that is the hardest part to be. If they're not good, right, underqualified, not a good fit, whatever, those are easy decisions to make. It doesn't even take brain power. It's the people who are good, but they aren't a hell yes that we can spend so much time convincing ourselves, right? Going back through the criteria, sharing, justifying, all of that stuff. And it's like, what a waste. If we know that we're only focusing on the number one, like for a role, for example, who is the number one person that can actually come in and do this role effectively? Or in terms of essentialism, what is the number one activity that's actually going to help me get to that three-year goal? then we need to be extremely ruthless. And so I have a silly example and then I have much more real examples of how I've done this the last couple of weeks. The silly example is newsletters. I used to subscribe to so many direct-to-consumer, entrepreneurship, self-improvement newsletters, and I would wake up every morning, I'd have like 19 emails in my inbox and I'd never read them. I'd never get through them, but it was like, in my brain that I had to get back to inbox zero and I didn't want to just not read them because the whole reason I subscribed is because I wanted what was in them. And I just found like it was my mornings were starting more chaotic than they needed to. And so literally in part of this, this pursuit to essentialism, I've unsubscribed from every single one of those newsletters and I'm trying to trim down what that is. Um, Now in a, a much like scarier example, we, I work at like a high growth startup and there's just a lot that needs to be done. And there have been two examples of when people have put things on my plate 
I get added to a Slack channel and, um, you know, asked to spearhead certain things. And normally I would jump at that opportunity. Yes, absolutely. I'll help. How can I organize this? How can I plan to go to market? How can I help to actually get this launched? And in both of the examples recently, my answer has been like, thank you so much for bringing this idea to me. I just don't have bandwidth right now. And what I'm noticing for the first time is that it's actually not that scary. I've done it twice. Granted, it's only twice, but still I've done it twice and I haven't faced negative repercussions in either example or either scenario. Both times we've found other people to do it. And that's like teaching me how easy this can really be if we're willing to take that first step. So definitely get comfortable with saying no. And in fact, there are a bunch of um, examples of how to say no. And I've actually documented them, like I mentioned on TikTok. So if you're interested, go to our TikTok at They Get It and um, and check those out. They can be really powerful. And I can actually give some examples verbatim of what I've shared to get out of these um, projects, if you will. And so I'm happy, yeah, happy if that helps anyone to, to keep sharing those as they come up. Um, so dare to say no, uncommit from the non-essential, edit and remove distractions, and then limit distractions by setting boundaries. And so one thing I've noticed here is like, it's not enough to say, um, oh yeah, when distractions come up, I will say no. You kind of got to call your shot ahead of time. You got to name it. And so when this friend asks me to do this, instead of working on my side hustle, instead of whatever that vital few is, I'm going to say no. So that way, when the trigger comes up that you get that text, hey, Kels, you want to go for brunch this day? It's like automatic no. I've already thought about it. I don't need to dedicate any more brain power. The answer is no. And again, it sounds so ruthless and gutty, but you start doing it. And if you do it the right way and you're delicate with your approach, then you will be shocked at how simple and receptive people are. And so again, check out those TikToks if you're if you're worried about how to how to actually do that. Um, so yeah, that's that's the whole idea of elimination. Again, really focusing on what it is you want to say yes to, kind of like the 80-20 rule, if we've ever heard that before. 80% of your output typically comes from about 20% of your input. And the same thing happens here. If you can really focus on that top, top percentage of what actually needs to get done, saying no to everything else will become a lot easier. And then finally it comes down to execution. So, you know, making execution effortless, you should do the following couple of things build in buffers for the unexpected. This is something I'm learning again at work. Yes, I have my time blocks for the vital few, but inevitably things will come up and that's okay. I just need to build in those buffer time blocks so that when things inevitably inevitably get pushed or if meetings get booked over, I'm not throwing off my entire plan because of things that are outside of my control. So build in the buffers, pro tip. I'm not talking five minutes like 30 minutes for me minimum. And so that way when things come up, I don't feel like I have to rush through them. Identify and remove constraints. And so another thing that you'll notice is that usually these projects have bottlenecks. And actually this is kind of funny because Greg McEwen, the author of this book, also contributed to a book called Multipliers, which is all about great managers um, removing bottlenecks for their team. And something very similar happens in the context of essentialism. There will be bottlenecks. There will be things that 
you just can't get across that will suck your time and they will um, kind of slow down your progress towards whatever it is that you want to do. And you have to do your best ahead of time proactively to remove those constraints. Um, And then finally, my best advice for you is to celebrate your progress and your wins and your routines that you actually stick with. Um, With Emma and I doing this get it challenge in January, I'm literally rewarding myself with I'm embarrassed that I'm going to say this, but with like trashy reality TV when I finish my Peloton exercise. And so um, making sure that this is fun and making sure that this is rewarding and that it's not all out of obligation, knowing that, you know, all of this work you're putting in now is in direct support of you achieving your ultimate goals. So anyways, I know that that was a lot of talking through concepts. If you guys are interested I've linked the audible version of Greg's um, book, Essentialism, in the the show notes. And we've also detailed everything I've covered in this podcast in our show notes on theygetitmedia.com if you want to go take a look at everything written out. But all this to say, you guys, we don't need to be doing more to hit our goals. In fact, we need to be doing less. And if you learn this lesson really early in life, you will be set up going forward. And so I hope you enjoyed this book report. If you did like it, let me know and I'll do more of them as I finish more books. I'll jump on really quickly and take everyone through it. But I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did and we will see you next week.